I'm here, so. <laughs> I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. Howdy, Oklahoma. My name is Chet Holmgren, and I'm down to dunk. Dead gum. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. <laughs> I have, I don't, is that like you eat it together? Everybody tells me to get the bag of burgers. I need like a straw, like. <laughs> Howdy. I, I'm, a, I'm an artist on the court. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. My name is Kenrich Williams, and I'm down to dunk. It might be Aaron Wiggins. This is a troll. It's a troll. I'm trolling. Howdy, Papa. Because I, I think it would take away from who he is, you know? Yeah, 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 but. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Oklahoma. <laughs> I love Oklahoma to death. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Perfect. Good. Very good. I like the hat. You bro. like the hat? Yeah. <laughs> Vava, this is J Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I've been doing a lot of dunking. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Selector, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, before I go to McKellar, I want to give a shout out to my man Colby, who's listening right now. Shouts to you, Colby. Hope you're having a great day. And with me, as always, on Mondays, this is my good friend McKellar Barron. McKellar, what's up? Well, we had um, kind of an upside down weekend. Uh, first, yeah. like misery, then joy, and probably also some misery as well. Uh, I don't know, depending on how do you look at it. What do you? But it's wait, uh, wait, wait. What do you mean? Oh, you're talking about the the Super Bowl? No, no, no. no. I was talking about like Mitzich scoring 18 points and me being already oh. mad that uh, it's no longer with uh, with the Thunder. Yeah, no, I mean, not, you and Ham, kind, you and Ham, kind of talked about this a little bit on Thunder After Dark, which you can find on Patreon.com backslash. Oh my gosh, I'm like saying, like I am like so lost in the way that I talk now about websites because I'm now thinking about like the other three podcasts that I do. Patreon.com slash OKC Dream Team. That's where you should go. I almost said something different. That one. Um, and also on Spotify. And also on Spotify. You can listen to it there too. Um, but you guys talked about this. I th- I think it was kind of inevitable that like both Trey Mann and Mitsich would look good in Charlotte. Because here's the thing that both of them didn't get to do while they were here is they get to have the basketball. Yeah. And you get possessions. And you get to get comfortable with kind of setting things up which was not something that either one of them could really have on this team because there's too many good players on this team. And now, yeah. and this is where we'll, this will kind of like bleeds into a conversation that we'll have later about Josh, but like it's hard to be a player that is like really good at setting other people up and to function on this team when they already have Shea and Dub and Chet. It's because they're all so good. And so like, it's no wonder that like Isaiah Joe and Wiggins and guys like that are thriving. It's because these are low usage guys that don't need yeah. touches in order to thrive. But when you look at Mitsich, it's you know, you watch if you watch any of that Charlotte game, like and I'd recommend that you just like go watch it because then you can see like, oh, that's who that's the kind of player that he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it yeah. he only got to do it for like small spurts here and there. And it's not it's not like the Thunder were doing something wrong. It's just what happens when you have a really good team. Like there's not there's just not enough room for everybody to kind of do all of their things. And that's why like Trey didn't get, you know, the minutes that maybe he even needs. And and so it's it's a good situation for them. It's low pressure 
It's, hey, we need somebody that can do something with the ball, um, yeah. with, especially with LaMelo out. You know, th- and those two can do it. And so, like, I'm, I'm happy for them. If, if you're kind of getting bent out of shape by it, like, take a deep breath <laughs> and, like, know that <laughs> this is, like, one of the teams that's at the top of the Western Conference, and they need to, like, shape their team a little bit. And they, they did at the trade deadline by acquiring Gordon Hayward. And then they we're, we're going to talk with Keith Parrish here in a second about Bismack Biombo, but they signed Bismack Biombo, and then they also brought in Lindy um, and gave him a contract too so that he could be playoff eligible, which got like astoundingly, crazily negative responses on Twitter. <laughs> like a crazy, like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? Like, this is the 15th guy, and we're losing our heads about this. Um but I'll just I just think that like credit to them. I, I don't think like the the people within the Thunder organization, at least I wouldn't guess they would be shocked by those guys going to Charlotte and being good. Because like, they know what those guys are capable yeah. of. And you need to be able to spread your wings a little bit to to be able to show that. And there was just wasn't room here, and that's okay. That's just you know, different situations are better for different guys and for, for me such in particular I think he's going to put yeah. up some like pretty big numbers going forward for Charlotte. And it's going to look good because he can go out there and play 28 minutes, you know, and have the ball in his hands on offense every single one of those possessions. Yeah. Um, I mean, last night was the real, well, last afternoon, yesterday afternoon was the reason why, uh, even in the second unit, he couldn't have that in OKC because yeah. there is one guy who's producing at an elite level, oh uh, an gosh. all-star level. And it's um and it's J Dub. Um he was insane. Um like dishing assists, scoring efficiently, and was just all over the floor. Like yeah. do you really want to take out possessions from Peasants? No, you I... want to give him more. That's the thing. And that's why it yeah. was not going to work here. And that's why you have to be okay with it. And you can even leave that that game thinking like, man, what a game. And still Man, some more possessions should have gone to Chet. <laughs> you know, like there. Yeah, exactly. And so exactly it's, the point. And so it's to me, it's all about how do you maximize those three in Shea, Dub, and Chet. And boy, Shea and Dub were just special, like absolutely special yesterday on a Sunday afternoon against the Kings. Like they exercised some demons yesterday, winning an afternoon game and beating the Kings. Like yeah, two the afternoon things- game doesn't count. No, Scott Foster, so it doesn't really count. Oh, my gosh. What a disaster that game was. We're not going to talk about that a whole lot. But Dub Dub was unbelievable. 32, 8, and 9. 13 of 20. 32, oh. 8, and 9. 32, 8, 8, and 9. Like, not against the Detroit Pistons or, I don't know, well, not the Detroit the Pistons. Charlotte Hornets. Not the, the best example. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets, the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, this yeah. game was competitive. Yeah, it and was. And I think that... I mean, the Kings are a good game. Maybe they don't ha- they don't have great win stoppers um, because they yeah they have some guy that can defend to a decent degree. Uh, Keon Ellis been one, um, but but they don't have like Dub or Shea stoppers, and mm-hmm. and they really executed. They really scored a lot, both of them, and it and it was insane. And and as you mentioned, I mean, on a night like this. You always feel like Chet should have maybe a couple of shots more um, on a, on a day where 
like Lou Dort is not bad at yeah. all. Dort was good. Uh, especially on defense. I mean, and when when Dort is a lockdown defender mm-hmm. and he wants to take eight, nine shots, you have to give it to him, especially because he, you need him to be in rhythm with the three ball. I don't I don't really like the um, the mid-range jumpers. He took one that was horrible. But again, I, I said it on Thunder After Dark. If it's one, who cares? I mean, he was all over De'Aaron Fox or De'Andre Fox. Um, yeah, so that was weird. De'Andre Fox. <laughs> Uh, maybe it was um, like a diss at him because he was playing so bad. It's like this doesn't even look like De'Aaron Fox. Like this is just DeAndre. Yeah. This must be maybe DeAndre like Fox. the other ego. Yeah, DeAndre Fox. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So again, I think that when you have those two guys and you want Chet to to get into the 15, 16 shots a game territory, it's not that you have much more to offer. And this is probably um, a problem for Giddy. A problem for some guys of the bench uh, who have maybe three, five shots at most, and they have to to be effective with those. There are guys that are capable of being efficient while having not many shots, and other guys that maybe don't. Yeah. And I think that Baba, in order to be the best version of himself, he needs to be a little bit more involved, which yeah. probably wasn't the case. And, and also, yes, uh, there was a message uh, in the chat about. He, um, Matt Hartley was saying, yeah, he was getting comfortable with the second unit, for sure. But can you really play four small guards against some other team in the playoffs? The answer to me and the reason and, and the way in which OKC is playing as of late, it's probably a no. Um, yeah. They are trying what it feels to, to, to go a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, Especially if Hayward is, and that's the thing, is like we haven't seen the team with Hayward yet. And yeah. he's going to, if he can be healthy which from what i understand like he's going to he's going to play after the all-star break and is pretty reasonably healthy that if he can play then there wasn't going to be minutes for for Mitzich going into the playoffs yeah. it just wasn't going to happen and i hate you know i hate to see him go like he's a fun player but also a player that is that age that is like coming over because like he wants to play in the nba being mm-hmm. told that, like, hey, I, you know, I, I, you can just draw conclusions to it. Just like, I, how happy would he be doing that? I mean, it's, I mean, it's also the question for Trey Mann too. It's like, how happy would Trey be not to play? You know, probably not very happy because he, like, he's got another contract coming up too, and I don't think that. The, I mean, it didn't seem like the Thunder were going to give him an extension. They weren't even playing him, so I think. You know, there's a lot of jobs out there in the NBA, and you know, you, I think you want to think like the best of your team for for every single player. But like the truth is, like the Thunder aren't the best situation for every player. Yeah, you know, like it's a great situation for a lot of these guys. For a vast majority, it's a great situation. Chet, Dub, Shea, Dort, Jay, Will, Ken. I mean, Kenrich. I mean, you look at like some of these role players like Kenrich, Joe Wiggins, Casey Wallace. Like, oh my gosh. Like what a great situation for all of those guys, you know. Yeah, but even there, like, it's it's not that they have free minutes. I mean, yeah, Kaysen, I mean, Monk, Monk torched them. Yeah, like the story. Not a great, not, not a great Kaysen boy. game. Yeah, not a great Kaysen yeah, game. Yeah, go to the bench and and we'll see you next time. Yeah. So yes, it's a great situation because they have minutes, but it's. I really love the fact that Dagnolta is using those minutes in a very 
nice way. Like, hey, if you are there to play and you are with your mind into it, mm -hmm. great. You have you have the possibilities to play. If not, well, there is um, Kenrich, which I think it's another guy that uh, OKC needs to have ready and well-rounded for the playoffs because he was, I mean, Kenrich played um, a bad January. Um, I, not not the usual Kenrich. Yeah. And last night it was a little bit better. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that OKC needs to have him ready and a little bit more in rhythm with his three ball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. If he's going to play in the playoffs, which again, it's weird to think that he's never played in a playoff game. Like, that just doesn't even make sense. Yeah. But hadn't played in the playoffs yet. Like, yeah, you got to get these guys ready. And you have to... And, the, and there's a lot of games coming up. I mean, this one in Orlando, I think, is, is another really good one, you know, to get these guys kind of warmed up. But, yeah, to your point about January, you know, Kenner's just 28% from three in January. He was 43% yeah. from the field. Didn't shoot one free throw in January. <laughs> you know, offensively. Uh, that's for the better, I think. Oh, but yeah. I mean, definitely it is. I mean, it was a it was a struggle for Kenrich in the month of January. And, like, that's okay. Like, role players often go up and down, including a guy like Lou Dort, who's kind of a, a super role player for the Thunder. But, like, mm -hmm. he is up and down, you know, during the month. I mean, he was only 31% from three and has shot the ball really well. Yeah, which is not abysmal, though. Like, if if this is the worst month for Lou Dort, I call it a win. Yeah. I really call it a win. Yeah. Because if he, like, he was having, like, um, sensational December, mm -hmm. insane November probably as well. Mm -hmm. And he's starting to be better uh, in February. I think he's uh, over 40% in February. So it's um, <clears throat> around 40%. I don't have the number in front of me. But um, I think that Lou Dort, um, when he plays defense like he was last night, it's it's just whatever in office. Like, 41.9. 41.9 for February. Yeah. So far. Yeah. There's some, there's some hot shooting going on in, in February, especially from... Kenner yeah. has bounced back. Shea is like that's that's one thing that's kind of going on the radar a little bit. It's like Shea shooting the three really well right now. Yeah, and often. Yeah, more often is like the the thing that's interesting. He had four yesterday, which feels like yeah. thirty for Shea. It was three of four. He was really good. That's like that's that's still like the next thing because you watch Shea and you're like, how can he possibly be better than this? Well, if he could actually yeah, and, be a good uh, three-point I mean, shooter, I mean, it would it would change a lot for him. Yeah, it will also be uh, better because he's going to play for Finch in the also also game, and clearly can't take me mid mid Jimmy's. What was the way in which uh, mid-range Jimbo's? Uh, I don't know. Anthony Edwards said something. It was very short. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that there is value in the fact that he he needs to be a true three-level scorer. Yeah. It's, he is now for sure. But, you know, when you know that he's getting like six, seven trees per game, uh, maybe even five, six, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's different. It, mm -hmm. it adds to a different complexity of his game. And J-Dub is. j -Dub needs to take more. Chet needs to take more. And, yeah. I mean, everyone knows because he... <laughs> now is able and willing to take threes. So yeah. it will be interesting to see how this team develops. And it's, again, think about thinking about Midsic, um, maybe maybe not the, the right spot for him. And, mm -hmm. and it's 
it's because of Kaysen and it's because of the fact that JDub can be a full focal point of the offense. Mm. And those two things were not clear at the beginning of the season. So this yeah. is wh- why you do the message deal. Mm-hmm. And then you probably move forward with a different complexity of your team, different structure for your team, because it is changing. Mm-hmm. It's young. They are changing uh, before our eyes. Um, so it's a, it's a natural thing to do. Yeah. Speaking of a guy who's never missed a three in his life, Bismack Biombo. I've got our guy Keith Parrish here on the show to discuss what in the world the Thunder acquired Bismack Biombo, which I have to yell because apparently when I when I text Keith earlier it only it texted him Bismack in all caps, which he's told me that it they did does the same thing for him. I don't know if this is like a an, an iOS update or something. Uh, Keith Parrish, welcome to the show. Grits and grinds. Okay, so Keith does a podcast about the Grizzlies called grits and grinds it's very very good you should go listen to it keith welcome to the show uh thanks for having me on the show i'm i'm very excited to get to the bottom of this bismack all caps thing because i just assumed (laughs) i tweet a lot in all caps yeah and i was like i must always go all caps with bismack because it would all it would auto correct to that you this morning saying that yours accidentally like auto corrected to all caps got me thinking like wait what there's... Is is Bismack all caps? Does that stand for something? Does that mean something? Like we need to send this out into the world and let other people with iPhones let us know. There's... Does Bismack auto capitalize on your phone? There's something fishy here with this, and I, and I'm and I've got to figure this out. Um, okay, so tell tell us about Bismack Biombo. The Thunder signed him on Saturday, and it was uh, a bit of a surprise because the Thunder just don't really have any bigs, and and Bismack is only he's like six eight but like long arms yeah. all of that so he's like kind of yeah. kind of your fake like seven footer but uh t- tell us about what he was like because we i think when people think about bismack biombo maybe they think about him on the raptors or they think about him even on phoenix last year but what, what was he like with the grizzlies this year i think i think most people kind of has have a grasp on who bismack is maybe i'm wrong about this but like bismack is always the best center not on an nba roster yeah so if you're ever like, who can we get? You can probably get Bismack. <laughs> and you do say he's he's undersized, but like he's not like he's 6'8, but there's some guys, I think of like Grizzlies players, or some guys you're like Jake LaRavia is 6'8. And you're like, really? Yeah. He looks kind yeah. of small. Bismack, when you say he's 6'8, you're like, really? Because he seems big. He does. Yeah. He's like, yeah. he is a force in there. He's got long arms. He's athletic enough. And like what you need to know is he's your He's a screener, he's a rebounder, he's a shot blocker. And that's all. Yeah. He is experienced enough in the NBA. He's not going to harm you in brief stints. He's going to protect the rim. You're not going to ask him to guard anyone on the perimeter. He's only going to play drop. He can throw a pocket pass, which is nice. He yeah. can't catch them, which is not nice. Um, there's okay. there's a lot of – I want to say the Suns have like a Bismack blown layup counter thing. Like, it's not the best, but he's just serviceable. He's also a great – you know. G- community leader everyone's always like bismack's an amazing guy to have around your franchise so i think he he just he fits this need where like if you look at the thunder and my outsider view of the thunder it's like you have like basically one kind of smallish hole on the roster and that's like you don't really have bigs outside of chet and maybe it's just like the insurance for having to play 
maybe the Nuggets in the playoffs or something, and just a guy who can use up some fouls and and lean on Jokic for a little bit, um, like that kind of thing. So I don't think he's going to blow anybody away. I mean, he will have a game. Like he'll have he'll totally have a game where he has like eight points, ten rebounds, two blocks, and two assists, and you're just like, oh. This guy's awesome. And th- then you realize a couple of games later, like, like he's kind of stopped shooting the ball and you know, he just, he's just in there. So, I mean, Bismack is what he is. Great. I guess depth piece, great guy to have around whether he's ever more than that. I, I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, our idea uh, when, when we saw this roster spots open, um, was like, hey, they will get another Thunder guy, like maybe a wing, maybe someone who can really like maybe play some center, but not necessarily. And we definitely said um, they will never, ever add someone like Bismarck Biombo because he can't really pass. He can't, and, and this is why OKC did it, in our opinion. But anyway, um, on offense, OKC really plays like a pass-first offense. Um, they don't play like standard pick and roll. They do some, but not not really um, like as many other teams do. And defensively, um, you said that he's strictly a drop guy. And OKC use a lot of switches. So do you think that they will try to um, drop him uh, and full stop? Or or he, can he like on some like wing can do some some switching or, or stuff like that? I'm not sure how to answer. I feel like, no, like, I don't think you would ever ask him to like go chase anybody on the, on the perimeter. I think you specifically have him just to fill his, his little niche of like, this is just mm-hmm. what he does. And I don't know if, I mean, maybe the thunder can be miracle workers with their coaching and get something out of Bismack. He hasn't shown in his last 10 NBA seasons, but it's like, I, I don't, I don't, my, my impression is like, they wouldn't, as far as the passing though on offense, I do feel like he is a capable passer and, He's obviously a willing passer. He's a very unselfish player. And and you guys know Steven Adams, of course. And like when yeah. we obviously we, we we had to fill the Steven Adams hole this year. And when Bismack came in, you're like, oh, he's like, if you squint, sort of, he plays almost like Steven Adams because he's willing to, you know, do give and goes. Like where well, he, he okay. catches it and he's not like hesitant, doesn't know what to do with it. He understands like when Bain gives me the ball. Well, guess what? Bain's going to cut, and I'm going to give it right back to him. And some guys just don't have that. Like, like Jaron Jackson Jr. on my team doesn't have that. He's learning it, but like he, his natural inclination when he gets the ball is like, what can I do with the ball? I do think Bismack, because of his just like his long NBA career of being a role player, he understands when J Dub or Shea gives me the ball or anybody else gives me the ball, they're probably moving. And his first Bismack's first thought is going to be. Who can I give this to? And so I think that part of it, it's gonna it's gonna help your offense where right? he's not going to hold on to the basketball ever. You know, he he is gonna catch it and then give it and, and he's gonna see those people. Yeah. So like he's not like the ball's not gonna stop with him. I wouldn't be concerned about that. As far as your switch heavy defense, I would be concerned uh, in, yeah. in that aspect. Yeah, it, it's not the only style that they play. Uh they do some dropping, but it's um it's against specific guys where like if you have a guy that has even the like a small chance to to pull up they always try to either force the screen or to switch and so that is a little bit perplexing but i also think that if you play a situational big man then you are probably playing him in certain matchups not like generally if if you go against like a small unit this is not the place for bismack and i mean we see we saw on uh saturday against uh, a guy like um against the mavericks that 
you need someone who can battle uh, and, and just grab a few rebounds, just do some box out and, and just be nasty out there for five minutes just to stop a run. So um, I really, I'm really interesting to, interested to see how that plays out. But the, the fact that he can be sort of a passer on offense, that makes him a little bit more interesting, especially in certain lineups where you have shooting and you just need someone who can maybe set a few screen and just keep the ball moving. I also feel like I don't. I don't know how you guys feel. I mean, it, I assumed this signing is more also just that insurance policy, just an emergency mm-hmm. player to have. Like mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if in the first round of the playoffs he doesn't play a minute. In you yeah. know, like it, depending on the matchup, his specific series, like he's not going to play. And I don't know if they'll probably work him into the rotation just to you know try out some stuff and see what they have with having a more traditional rebounding big. To, to play like I don't think they're going to try out any like Chet and Bismack you know things like that you know yeah, I, I'd I be surprised so yeah. um but I do think this is just a whatever on the trade deadline you guys freed up some roster spots and they're like you know what we're pretty good this year we might have a chance to, to make a deep playoff run what's something we want to have a like a extra backup in case of emergency, in case of foul trouble, in case of injury, let's just we, we feel like we need another big body. And that's where you go to the, the the top of my analysis. Who's the best available big man not on an NBA roster? It's almost always Bismarck Biombo. <laughs> it's Bismarck Biombo. Yeah. <laughs> my my thought is that you get into a series with like the Lakers or you're in a series with the Nuggets and you just need somebody to push the 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 opposing big off their spot for five minutes. Yeah. You know, and that's that's kind of what I think he's here for is to do that. And then, like you said, like he can do some thundery things where he can I mean, move a little bit and pass a little bit. But for the most part, it's just like, hey, can we get can we get Chet like five to ten minutes where he's not having to deal with Jokic or whoever it is and just push him off their spot? And great. Like, I think he could do that. And when you look at the West and the specific teams you're going to have to go through, it's like we're talking about Gobert, and we're even talking about, like, Nurkic. Like, yeah. these teams all have bigger centers, and, like, Bismack <laughs> is a guy you can throw on AD just to push, you know, to try to try and make it hard on AD for a little bit. So, like, the, the West, you know, maybe – Every team doesn't want a traditional center, but like it turns out all these teams at the top of the West are really um, big and have Mm -hmm. these like gigantic front courts. And that seems to be one spot where the Thunder are a little bit thin. Mm -hmm. It it definitely is. Yeah, speaking about like pushing guys out of the spot. I mean, yesterday uh, they were playing the the Kings and they did exactly that. For five minutes, uh, Domas was rolling and they they put Jay Will on him, uh, Jalen Williams, for five minutes with Chet on the court, and they were just trying to push him out of the spot, out of the uh, nice little um, place where Domus likes to take one dribble and and, uh, and hook it. So I, I guess that that could work, even with Chet on, on, on the court, because of the fact that sometimes you need to give Chet five minutes of not being asked to be the guy who pushes, who fight for every single rebound and just be a little bit more free to, to be the free safety for OKC's defense. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Keith, we're not going to keep you, but we really appreciate your Bismack Biombo expertise. I was like, who do I know 
that is an expert on Bismack Biombo, and your name was the first one that pops into my brain. So that's wild. I certainly do not consider myself an expert on Bismack Biombo, <laughs> but I might have been the person who has most recently watched him. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. And that's why you're here. Hey, go listen to Grits and Grinds. It's it's a great show. I know the Grizzlies are are not great this year, but if you ever wanted to learn anything about the Grizzlies, that's your one stop <laughs> shop. That is your one stop shop. <laughs> Keith, you're the best. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. All right. Let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll talk more Thunder. We'll talk a little bit about Josh Giddy's role, and we'll we'll talk about the upcoming All-Star break, which feels like everybody kind of needs that. Uh, we'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back after that quick break. So, I think that it's it's interesting one that the Thunder brought in a big forward that can shoot in Gordon Hayward. We'll we'll see what his role ends up being. My guess he comes off the bench and that he plays twenty ish minutes, depending on what the team needs. It it's we talked about this a lot last week. I think I did like three or four podcasts that were just about Gordon Hayward last week. So I think you know what I think about him, but. He fits very, very well with the way the Thunder want to play, with his passing and shooting and all of that. It's not, it's not rocket science at all to think about how he fits. Well, it's becoming more complicated, as is, I think, the way that Josh fits in the specific role that he's been given. And, you know, you saw it even yesterday. He only played 20 minutes. And some of it is like Josh just didn't have it. And I think that's okay. They have other guys that they can go to, but I am sincerely interested to see what the dynamic looks like when Hayward gets here. 
Um, I don't think it means like Josh is going away or Josh is not going to be in the starting lineup. I, I expect Josh to start. I expect Josh to play. I expect them to continue to try to work him into the lineup um, because one, like he's the second youngest guy on the team and he was the sixth pick in the draft and he's still very, very talented basketball player. But I, but I just question a little bit about the position that he's been put in, not, not at really the fault of anybody, but just really just because of Shea and, and Dub and Chet being so good that it's kind of, forced Giddy into like a more of like a role player type of position, which is not necessarily his strength. And I'm just, I wanted to kind of look a little bit deeper into that. Do you have any like initial thoughts before we kind of get into the, the shot diet of Josh Giddy? Um, yes, but I, I feel that I said this probably eight times over the past few weeks because I probably repeated myself uh, on the same podcast twice. Yeah. Um, I, I understand uh, the point, and I kind of agree with the point that Josh had was the the new shiny toy uh, when when they drafted him. Then, hey, he needs to adjust to Shay, and then it's now hey, he needs to adjust to Shay and J Dub, and then J Dub and Chet. Um, but also, when you got the ball wide open, and the only option that you really consider is jacking a tree um, because you know that if you drive, then it's worse and you're, you don't trust your floater. And the, the only way in which you're really effective on offense is to cut. Then I really wonder if this is just, hey, the NBA is moving away from guys that are not able to be uh, threats on offense, at least from the from short range and long range and they don't play defense because i mean josh josh is not playing good defense even yesterday there were moments where it was just like if he wasn't there there are moments where you kind of believe him a little bit but it's i don't know it's very few stints and not really continues so how do you trust him on that end and again it's not that he's not touching the ball it's about how he can be effective because like i know that the idea is hey give him the ball let him create okay can we please rewind to the russell westbrook against Porton game where Porton decided to do a very simple thing we don't care about russell westbrook we just drop like a very very like long drop we just contest at the rim nothing else he can do whatever. And he completely threw Russ off the game. He was like shooting a lot of mid-rangers, shooting a lot of threes. And it was very simple. And he was the lead guy on that team. If you can't hit the three and you need like the team to play a certain brand of basketball just for you to be league average effective, then I really wonder, mm -hmm. are we talking about the guy that somewhere else can be an all-star? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm, I mean, and this is no, uh, this is not deviating from how I've operated in the in the past. I think that Josh has a lot of potential to still be a really good NBA player at the guard position. If you can put him around shooters and you allow him to be a creator, he's just a much better player. 
And if he's a guy that can be a creator, he's just a much better player. Even like looking at last year, last year he took five and a half shots per game in the restricted area and shot 62%. You know, this year he's 3.9 shots in the restricted area per game, shooting 56%. Like it's just not as, not nearly as good. Yeah. Can I, can I counter? You can counter anytime you ever want. Yes. But this is the point. Guys are changing. Even Russell Westbrook was great at the rim. Mm -hmm. Like super. But then defenses started to say, okay, how do we guard this guy? How do we really guard this guy? Because like last night, he was playing with Dort, Shea, uh, Shea, Dub, and Chet. Mm -hmm. Tell me who is the non-shooter on those guys. He's playing with four shooters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he can't create. There is nobody who's not allowing him to take the ball from the corner, ask for a screen, and create. The problem is that when he asks for a screen, the guy that is guarding the screen is going to go back, and we are in the same situation on a less favorable spot on the court. Yeah. This is why, this is where I'm like I'm starting to, to 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 think. Okay, how do I guard that then? And it's going to be the big man who's guarding Giddy will just roam. Yeah. Look at him and stay close to the paint. Yeah. And allow but, everything l- else. Later, but I mean, like, if t- if teams were closing out to him, it'd be easier to play that way. But later in the shot clock, you receive the ball. He's wide open. Like, what, what, what does the game say he should do? You know? And, like, what does, like, his, sure. his confidence level in himself say he should do? I don't, I honestly just don't even think Josh is doing any of the wrong things. I just don't think he's like the kind of player that he's being asked to be, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's my issue. Like, I don't think this, I honestly just don't even think Josh is like doing the wrong things when he's on the court. If you're wide open in the corner and you're being placed in the corner and the ball hits you and you are wide open, I think if you hesitate or you take a couple dribbles or you're going to, that, those moves to me are like the wrong things. Those are like, I'm overthinking it. I'm trying to create late shot clock, something that needs to be created early shot clock. Like I just don't I just don't think he's supposed to do anything but shoot those. And he's made some of them. And he's like particularly from the left corner, he's been pretty good. He's shooting 41% from the left corner. The right corner mm-hmm. is another story. But like he has to shoot and he has to shoot with confidence because like we have seen what happens to guys that get specifically on this team that when the ball hits their hands and they're wide open in the corner and they hesitate and like the whole world can watch as their like basketball confidence drains from them. So like, I don't have any problems and I know it got passed around a ton on the internet about Josh missing that one particular corner three against Dallas, you know, and I get Mm -hmm. it. It doesn't look good, but like to me, like, is that necessarily his fault? I guess is my question. Like, what was what what was he supposed? I'm I'm asking the question. Like, what was in that moment? What was he supposed to do? No, I think that when when the ball touches your fingertips uh, late in the clock, and you and you have to take a three, you take a three. Um, I think that it's not just corner trees. Um, he's he's getting touches. The problem is that. You mentioned the efficiency. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't think that he's getting bad looks at the rim. Against Dallas, he had two, yeah. three wide open. There, were, there was one in particular that was not good. Like, yeah, but then this yeah. is the story. Yeah, This is the point. Because yeah. you said like 5.5 attempts, 62%. He's getting 62% looks, maybe on a tad less attempts, maybe four. Three and a half, three point nine. Three point eight. It's three three point nine this year. Three point nine. Yes. Yeah. Good. Um, so I think that he's getting sixty-two percent point five percent attempts. Mm -hmm. If you if you if he does that, then defenses are starting to say, okay, yeah. if he's getting closer with his floater, I need to take a step forward. Because otherwise that is money. Like they are doing with the, with J Dub. Why J Dub is getting so many um why why J J Dub does like moves the, the the box of the defense because when he's past the three point line, you still need to be glued to him oh, because yeah. you know that is if he's rising, then then it's trouble for you. Mm -hmm. Like when Josh is driving, there's the opponent defense staring, not moving. Mm -hmm. Say okay, I'll take my chances. Mm -hmm. And if this happens on every area of the court, then it's then it's a real problem. The reason yeah. why he's getting so many cuts is because defenses are starting to say okay, I, I'm just really don't care too much about Giddy. And he's great at like when as soon as the defense is turning their head off, he's ready to do the cut because he's a smart player. Mm -hmm. But at some point he needs to be at least efficient at the rim. If it's not, it's not because like it's too crowded or he's not getting many opportunities. It's because he's not efficient there. Like it's inexplicable how bad it has been for the past few weeks at the rim. The three ball I it's not the only problem. Yeah. yeah, I I agree. I also think that just like when we talked about Mitzic, who like hadn't shot the ball really well from anywhere. Mm -hmm. When you have like less attempts and you have less rhythm and you have less opportunities, it's just hard. Like it's just harder for guys. And it's not to say sure. that. And it's not to say that like Josh is going to be like some model of efficiency if he did get back to. Because like if you look at his anything in the paint last year, it was. Mm -hmm. Almost 11 attempts per game in the paint per game yeah. that he would get. Now it's like six. So it's like five yeah. less attempts per game that he's getting in the paint. I think it's just harder to catch a rhythm. And it's and it's not to say that like this is somebody's fault. This needs to be fixed in this way. I'm just trying to like figure out like what's the problem and like what's going on here with Josh, at least just on the court, because it has it's it's been rough. I mean, he only played 20 minutes yesterday. You know, it's it's not easy. I I also just I don't know. Let's keep let's just keep going. Okay, mid range. He's actually been improved in the okay. mid range. He's shooting fifty two percent in the mid range this season. It's only a, less than one attempt per game, but like there's like some some like improvement there from the left corner. He's been much much better this season, and he's taking more than double the amount that he took last season per game. From the left mm -hmm. corner, he's shooting forty-one percent from the left corners, um, which is quite good. From the right corners, which he just never really occupied much at all, like have like being in like that strong side corner is just like it's a tough. It's more of a cramped space, mm -hmm. anyways. Uh, he's not taken. He's taken about half the amount there that he's taken um, so far this season. And he's only shooting 23%, which was at 40% last year, but it was on such low volume that it was like it could have even been luck. You know, he's only he's 12 of 30 last year. You know, mm -hmm. or not 12, he was uh, yeah, 12 of 30 last year 
which again could have just been pure luck. Um, and then let's see from the corners overall this season, he's only 35%, but he's taking almost triple the amount that he did last mm-hmm. year from the corner, which is again, like if you were to talk about like, what is Josh Giddy's game? Like the corner three would not be something that you would talk about. <laughs> No, And he's being asked to take it more often than he ever has. I mean, above the break, he took a lot more above the break last year. And not that it was good, but like he was just, and we talked about this, that's the space on the floor that is occupied by your best players typically. You know, like Lou Dort has taken way less above the break. Josh Giddy, way less above the break. Those are kind of designated now. Well, yesterday he took one, which I, when I saw that three, I said, I know. I know. He's he took an in each check, really in like that, a dagger tree? In that you? in that moment of the game too, like the Thunder were just like really rolling, taking really smart shots, and it really did feel yeah. like it felt a little bit out of place. It was almost like hey, yeah. me, hey, me too. You know, it's kind of what it felt like. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Here I am. Here I am. Oh, yeah, let's let's yeah. roll. Yeah. No, plank. It's <sighs> uh, my my whole um, point in all of this is just that like. The shot diet is so drastically different than what it was last year that I just, I think if it's going to work in Oklahoma City, it's going to it's gonna take some time and some adjustment to figure out, like, how do we use this guy? Because he's very, very, he's a very unusual player. And we've known that since he's been here. Like, he's a very unusual player. Six foot eight, point guard, pass first, incredible passer. Still the guy that, and I said this after the, the Raptors game, that there's no but there's no other combo in the league, coach and player that I may trust more in a sidelines out of bounds play with Josh Giddy and Mark Degnall. Like it's yeah. almost automatic that they're going to score on a sideline out of bounds play. And I still believe that's true. And it's like a weapon you can use. Sadly, it's a weapon you can use like twice a game, you know, not like over and over again. It's not like you have like 50 timeouts where it's like, hey, for every possession that Josh is on the court, we're just going to call a timeout so we can get a sidelines out of bounds play. Um, you can only do it a few times. It could be extremely useful, especially if you get into the playoffs of a, of a game that's like, it's a tie game, 10 seconds left, thunder ball, sideline out of bounds. Like who, who, do, you want, who do you want to, to pass that ball? You know? Yeah, sure. Like, sure. It's, it's Josh. And, I, and that, that to me... And I know it's like a very niche job to do. But to to think, I just think like Josh is being put in a position that makes him look like one of the worst players in the league. But I don't, mm-hmm. I but I think, I, I definitely think he's not. Like I think he thinks yeah. the game at a high level, he can really pass it. And we even saw it against the Raptors, and I know that like people are like, well, it's like one good game out of like fifty or whatever it is. Yeah. And I get that. I just wonder if there is a way. And maybe the answer is there's not a way. But like to me, well, no, I like I, think I like remain way. curious about like, is there a way to maximize it? Because the the vision and the dream with this team is multiple playmakers on the court at all times. And it gives you so many options, and it keeps the defense off balance. And part of it is like Josh. Josh's shot just hasn't come along fast enough for it to work with him in this lineup. 
and you think about Gor- like Gordon can d- basically do all the things that you, we would want Josh to do. Mm-hmm. Like, does anybody like he has been a plus forty plus percent you know shooter from the corners year after year after year. Good team, bad team, doesn't matter. He's been. There. I think there's a reason why though. Um, I would try away. Okay. Which is the following: you bench him. Um, Award starts, and <clears throat> you play uh, the following combination. Hear me out because it's going to take me twenty-five seconds. You start by subbing out Gordon Award uh, and and Chad Ungen. Mm-hmm. Um and you can sub in, for example, Kazen and NJ Will, and you play a lot with. Um, with an all-shooting lineup with uh, Shea, Dub, Joe, Kazen, and Jay Will. And then um, you, bring in, um, you bring in Giddy, Chad Ongan, Gordon Award, Kenrich Williams, and Kazen Wallace as your start of the second unit, a uh, second um, quarter, sorry, kind of unit, where you have Josh as the lead guy, you play a little bit different, but I think that this could unlock Chet Ongren a little bit more. You have shooters all over the place. You have a very smart player in, in, in Kenrich Williams, and you have Gordon Edward. And you you need to see if that means that Shea and, and Dub are fighting for shots, mm-hmm. which I don't think, because they can play off each other. You close the first quarter in a crazy way. They are starting to do that a little bit more, like playing Dub and, 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 and Shea a little bit more together. But you just play 12 minutes, mm-hmm. both of them. Mm-hmm. And then you start Giddy and Chadongwen. You that that scenario has Giddy and Giddy on a very low amount of minutes mm-hmm. because it's maybe six, seven in the second quarter, mm-hmm. maybe six, seven in the fourth, and maybe you can snag in one, two minutes at the end of each quarter if mm-hmm. you can. Mm-hmm. So it, it caps the amount of minutes, but those could be good to great minutes because you have Chadongwen being the the guy who takes Giddy's assists that can be your floor spacer, so the the floor is completely spaced for Giddy. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work, then you have your answer, because there is no other possible lineup that can unleash Josh yeah. more than a lineup where everyone can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, you have mm-hmm. crazy passers. Um, and you have defense because you have Kenny, you have Kazen. You can swap Kazen and Dort. That will not change. Yeah. So you can do something like that and see how it works. And it was similar to what they did against Toronto. Mm-hmm. That put Josh in rhythm. And if he's in rhythm, then he can even close. Mm-hmm. But if that doesn't work, if that is not something that really uh, changed the way in which Josh plays, then it's then you're out of uh, out of solution. I'm not sure. That uh, that Dagno will try it mainly yeah. because that has been has been awesome <laughs> in the second unit. So yeah, that's the, you, thing, that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, changing. like, I think you could try this in the regular season for sure. But when it comes down to the playoffs, like it's going to be about staggering Shea and J Dub. You know, it's not anymore about how do we get Josh the ball in the play. I mean, it's like, hey, the best players, the two best players on your team need the ball. And you stagger those two. Yes. And you yes, give them the but ball. But also, you have one of the best players with with uh, with Giddy. Uh, you have Cherongan, who I think yeah. is suffering a bit um, in terms of shots mm-hmm. because he's not getting 
um, real moments where he's the guy. Yeah. So I think that is not problematic. And also, I think that the units with Shea at the end of the first quarter are not as good as before, mainly yeah. because you're not playing the guys who should be playing in, in that moment. Maybe Gordon Hayward will change things. Yeah. But if you have to, again, if you have to construct a unit for for Giddy is a unit that has like a, a target for lobs and shooters. And this is it. So I really, I really want to give this a try mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. Maybe, maybe we'll see it because this I think will bring back Josh in playing his usual role, and you have like um, the other units being just driving, driving, go, driving, go, driving, go, which is more of a Shay and Dub thing. Yeah, and, and like I mean, the truth is like last year Dub just didn't have this kind of role on the team yeah. for large portions of it. And it was more of Josh that had this role. Yeah. And it worked decently. And I, the thing is, like, I just want to inject a little bit of nuance into this conversation because like, I see too much of that. Like Josh is just not a good player. And like, it, it just goes, it's either like he, like guys are the greatest or they're the very worst. And it's like, let me see how I compile on the most. But when you look at it, like just like take the time to take a closer look. Like it's not been like this has not been the easiest season for Josh. He's being asked yep. to do things that he's not particularly good at. He's I mean, think about like in your job. Think about like the two things that you're like not that great in your job with. And your boss came to you and said, Hey, those are gonna be now your like primary things that you're gonna do. Like it might take some time for you to like even look decent at it. And so there's also the age thing where he's still really young. The team is young. And like the thing that has accelerated the conversation to like levels of insanity is like how good the team is. And like, and I'm not saying that people are necessarily wrong. I'm just saying like it has, it, it, the conversation is, is out of, is a little out of control. And like people are just hopping on it on Twitter and like there's no like there's no nuance within any of the conversation at all. There's yeah. no like true thought being put into it. Like you just see him play see him play bad in game, that equals he's bad forever. And it's like like well, it's like to me, I think you just have to think a little bit more about it. And like the conclusion, and this isn't me saying that the conclusion is that like they need to figure this out with Josh and like he has to be here. They're going to try to do it. They're going to try to figure things out with Josh for yeah. sure. And like they didn't move him at the deadline. I don't expect, you know, I mean, is it possible he gets moved in the summer? I don't think anybody would be particularly surprised by that. But I, I think there's also a chance that he is back here starting next year with the Thunder. I think that there is a chance that that happens, like a pretty good chance that that happens, in fact. And yeah. Like we can complain and moan all you want, but like I do think like there are solutions to this, and some of it is like Josh has to get better, and Josh has to play better too. Like yeah. that's a part of it too. Yeah, and it's it's also part of recognizing that you made a huge investment, and and maybe there is part of that is why he's getting a little bit more opportunities than a guy like Trey Mann, who was not put in a position to be successful either because he needed the ball as well. And um, when when they found Isaiah Joe, who did not need the ball and was able to do many other things, he was an afterthought immediately. 
Um, you could say the same about Giddy. I mean, what happens if Gordon Hayward is the best player? I think that he will not be an afterthought immediately, but I can see like them shifting uh, a little bit quicker than what we think. Because, I mean, you know, uh, yes, it's about developing players, but also it's about, hey, either you do it or you don't. Yeah. And and right now with Giddy is more of a you don't. And so this is why we have all this discussion here. Yeah. Because, I mean, even if we are talking, trying, especially Andrew, trying to find a, uh, a positive spin, we're not happy <laughs> about the way yeah, in which like, Giddy I'm not has watching played. the game thinking like, man, Giddy really needs more touches. Like I'm thinking like, hey, they, he needs to sit down. You know, yeah, and yeah, but, but I mean, also like yes. we have to like try to do our best to like put ourselves in a position to like think a little bit more, and also yeah. also realize this: they acquired Gordon Hayward. Like, the, yeah, the it's team, not that the team is nothing. not like sitting on their hands thinking like this is just all going to be fine. It's all going to work out. We're just going to take the team that we have into the playoffs. Not like the hope is like Gordon. I mean, Gordon Hayward. Fits pretty nicely in that slot where Josh would be, and so like that's, I think that's part of this too. It's like that's, you know, a six foot eight forward that can pass and shoot and you know defend a little bit. You know, it's to me, it's it's pretty obvious what what he could do for this team. Like it's not, but I also just like think it's a little unfair to just completely bury Josh when he's been asked to do something that he's not good at. And it's going to be the job of the coaching staff and the team to kind of figure out if they can get like the best version of Josh out there. Cause I mean, Alex and I even talked about it when we talked about um, the, like the trade rankings for the thunder, like Josh would, would could like could be traded for positive value. You know, it's not that he's like, Killian Hayes or something like that, you know, that you're just going to have to wave him. Like, I think teams yeah. still, there's a lot of teams that still think very positively of Josh Giddy and think that he can contribute. And, you know, I, I think that there are situations where he could be better than he is in this one. And I also give Josh credit. Like he's, he's still trying to do the things that he's being asked to do. He's not like, I haven't heard complaints, you know, yeah, privately, publicly, whatever. Like I haven't heard complaints, and um, you know, we'll we'll see where it goes. But I just wanted to just like dissect it a little bit and just like take a look at like his shot diet is completely different from last year. Yes, and you can feel like you can feel it, you can sense it. Like he wasn't given the time, and and that's just kind of how, like the NBA is is very unforgiving to players. And like guys can pass you by quickly in this league, and things change for you quickly in this league. I mean, think yeah. about even like Jeff Green, the way that people thought about Jeff Green in like the first year that he was here. It was like, oh, it's going to be Kevin and Jeff. You know, Jeff was really good for OKC in his first year here and put up like good numbers, like big numbers. And he had to, as like Westbrook came in and like, you know, yeah. Westbrook didn't start right away, but, you know, as Westbrook got better and then Harden comes in and then it's like, well, suddenly like Jeff is not the like number two guy on this team. You know, I mean, his first year in Oklahoma City, 16 points, six boards, two assists, shot 38% from three. Yeah. It's like, wow. 
man, he was maybe he should have been more of a. <laughs> he was voted for. He was like in the. He was voted most improved by at least somebody that year. He was top twenty-five in most improved voting. So somebody voted for him for most improved player his yeah. second year. Then the next year, shoots the same amount of shots. Shoots only thirty-three percent from three. Doesn't look quite as good, and then gets traded, and then he kind of just bounces around. You know, OKC to Boston, Boston to Memphis, Memphis to Clippers, Orlando, Cleveland, Washington, Utah, Houston, Brooklyn, Denver, Denver, Houston. Wow. You know, he's bounced around. And, like, the thing is, like, Jeff is a good player. Like, he's been helpful in a lot of different places, Other some places better than others. And he's been a, a good pro for a long time, you know. And yeah. Things yeah, can change. It, that, all I have to say is like stated. things change quickly. Yeah. Is, is my point. Like things can change quickly. Things change very fast for Jeff Green, who was a, the fifth pick in the draft and thought to be like the one of the like building blocks for your team. And like that can also change for Josh quickly as well. And that's was kind of yes. my point. And, and if you think that OKC is um, again, think think back about the Hayward thing and where OKC was before this trade. Who who could they? Sub in place of Giddy. Yeah, you could sub in um, Kenridge Joe. or Joe or Kenridge. But you know that every op- um, every option, it's not ideal. I mean, with Joe, you're not you don't have size. Mm-hmm. With Jay Will or Kenny, you don't have the same passing, and you don't have you don't have shooting. Not that you have with Josh, but you still have just similar like, issues. Just like creation in general. Yeah, yeah. Wiggins. <laughs> Too small. Uh, I know that Josh is not the defender, but still, being you six don't have eight, an being option. six eight is valuable. I mean, let's like being six foot eight is a valuable yeah. thing in this league. Being six, yeah, he's a good six, rebounder. The difference like, between six five and six eight is pretty big. Exactly. So you don't have one now. They have because if you think that Mitzich um, could have played the same role of Giddy, just start. No, it's it's not. It would not help yeah. to that degree. Hayward. Maybe he doesn't play um, because we don't know. Maybe he plays like five games, maybe eight, maybe ten. Yeah. But he's a good bet of like a um, someone that you can buy for chip, um, reworking your salary cap for next year, which is a very good thing, and also have the opportunity to have the perfect replacement in the starting unit for Josh Giddy. This is what they did, um, or the closing unit. Um, this is what they did in this uh, trade deadline. So they know that that is a spot where they need, they need to improve. Otherwise, they would have traded for Olenek mm-hmm. and then took maybe Gallo in. They could have done the same. Like, we trade for, for Olenek because our worst spot on the, on, the, on, the, on the floor is missing a backup five, mm-hmm. and then we get someone from cheap on a buyout market. Mm-hmm. No, they did the other way. Mm-hmm. They got a wing, and then they got someone uh, cheap to just play situational big man minutes. Yeah. This this tells a lot mm-hmm. of where OKC's mind is in terms of hey, how are we in terms of roster? And maybe this is just a salary move and maybe we don't know nothing, but still they got someone who plays exactly the 3-4, which yeah. is currently the role that Josh plays yeah. in the starting unit. Yeah. I I think that's right. I also do think that the salary move is going a little bit under the radar. And I know it's hard. No, it's not. I think it's, it's really there. Like yeah. it's the first thing that Bobby Marks said, and we reported on the podcast. Like, it's not insignificant. It's two seconds to clear up 
the space for next year. Yeah, would you pay they, two they seconds clear. To, to clear 17 million? P- teams have paid way more exactly. than that to clear 17 so million. That, yeah, but on top of the beauty of having like extreme flexibility next year, you get to try out someone who can play that role mm-hmm. if he's healthy enough. Yeah. That is a huge bonus. It's a huge bonus. And then you can also re-sign him or you can sign and trade him. You know, there are a lot, there's going to be options with him in the summer too, depending on what, you know, he looks like physically. Because I think Mm -hmm. as long as he can be like physically healthy, it's just hard to imagine him not being good with the team. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see it all unfold. And that's the thing too, is like, this is a really young team. Excuse me, that is going to change really fast. They've already changed really fast into like one of the best teams in the league. Like, yeah. And and because they're still so young, the rapid change isn't over. You know, but think about how different I think I said this on Friday. Think about how different they were, you know, from last February twelfth to this February twelfth. Whoa. Like vastly different. Yeah. Think about how different they're gonna be from this February 12th to the next one, or even to the one after that. Like, they're going to be very different, you know, as they continue to move throughout this. This team is going to evolve and change. It's not like some frozen entity that is going to stay the same. There are going to be different players on this roster. Things are going to inevitably change. The Thunder have a big decision to make with Josh this summer. But ultimately... The, there are bigger decisions to make down the road than this Josh one. I, I honestly, the hand wringing about Josh is a little bit is is just like gotten like way out of hand, like way way out of hand to me. Yeah, and I I get it. I get the frustration. You want your team to be perfect. You want your team to look perfect and to be ready and to be ready to do it all right away. It's not the case here. I mean, could the Thunder have done more things at the trade deadline? Absolutely, they could have. But they're not ready to do it yet. And so there will come a time where they're ready to do more, where they're ready to push their chips into the middle of the table. I mean, think about what they did this at the trade deadline. And it and it tells you very, very... It, it gives you a glimpse as to where the team itself believes the team is. They acquired a player via salary dump from a bad team using two second round picks. And that player could end up being very helpful. But like yeah. I I think I think there's an argument that they may have done that trade even if Hayward never played one minute. That they may have done yeah, that trade that, anyway. That is probably paying a little bit more than market value to clear a space. Sure. Um but I, still. Yeah, um, I was a, there was a comment that Dallas made a better move to clear up space with uh, OKC at the draft. Yeah, you can think you can think uh, that in that way. But um, if Kazen goes to um, was it uh, Utah between uh, Dallas and, and OKC? I don't remember. Oh, Orlando. Orlando. If 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 Kazen goes to Orlando, then you're we're not really thinking about that. So it's it's also about the kind of players that he that he wanted to draft. So it's not necessarily um, a better price. It's just a different price. And, and again, Mitic costed zero, basically. Um, it was um, the right to acquire him. Mm-hmm. It was in the Horford deal, I think. Mm-hmm. And and then Trey Mann. Yeah, Trey Mann did not have, I think, any value. 
um, it was just salary in into into a trade. So all in all, I guess they paid maybe a second more uh, or one and a half uh, seconds if you want to be generous. Yeah, it's not really important um, yeah. because they they it allowed them to clear a lot of space, a lot of space because um, it's not very simple. I mean, you, you but anyway, it's it's that so. Um, I really hope that he plays because I think that he could be um, a very interesting point uh, mm-hmm. of on very interesting player on this team. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I agree that this as a salary dump move, this is also fine. Yeah, well, and like talking about Dallas, like the th- one, the Thunder needed to spend the money. Period. Like had to spend the money last summer. Yeah, and so like they had to acquire something or somebody. Yeah. And they clearly wanted that salary and used that salary in like this trade. Exactly. Um, and so they did get a player that they wanted and they did accomplish a secondary thing, which was to dump the salary and to acquire more flexibility this summer. And then they took a pick in this next year's draft and flipped it for a much more valuable asset down the road, you know, in four years. Yeah. Is when that I mean the four years I mean like that's that's still kind of where they're at is like they're still waiting to see what this team is this team hasn't played one playoff game yet like they still haven't yeah. played one playoff game I get people's frustration but it's like man can like we just like try like to enjoy it especially after like a great Kings win like they're still just like griping exactly about things it's, it's like thirty six and seventeen thirty six and seventeen like this is a really really good team that like let's repeat. Be- that into our brain yeah. over and over again. This is this is a thirty-six <laughs> and seventeen. <laughs> this is a very good team. That is, yeah. v- they were very yeah. fun to watch yesterday. They were very very good. Yeah, and yeah. they're going to be good. What are they going to do in the playoffs? Nobody knows. Nobody knows yeah. what they're going to do in the playoffs. I think they could accomplish great things in the playoffs this year. They very well could. They've already accomplished great things in this regular season. You know. I mean, to be 36 yeah. and 17, third in the Western Conference. I mean, they're they're thought of by a lot of people that are that watch a lot of NBA games to be a contender. You know, that's yeah, and including Del Curry, who said that. Um, yeah, yeah, this is. I mean, the fact that Mitch and Trey Mann can play tells you a lot about OKC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Thunder play tomorrow night on national television. Against the Orlando Magic, that should be a fun one. And then the All-Star break. So we'll talk more about All-Star Weekend and stuff as we get closer to it. Um, certainly on the Fry Pod, we'll have some predictions for All-Star Weekend and some more conversation about it. Um, should be a fun weekend. Should be fun to watch lots of Thunder guys uh, there present. Wish Isaiah Joe was getting to shoot. Shout out to Isaiah Joe. Let Joe shoot, please, next year. Um, let's see anything else. Oh, we're going to, so we're going to have, um, Alex and I are going to have our buddy, Richie Randall on who covers the Charlotte Hornets to talk about Gordon Hayward. And we're going to record tomorrow night. So great. Um, we're going to get some, I thought it'd be good to like get some context today. We got it from Keith Parrish and thanks to Keith for coming on again. Uh, we've got some, some context for Bismack Biombo and the kind of player that he is. And then going to get some more context for who Gordon Hayward has been in his stint with Charlotte, because like, these are the guys that have watched them the most. 
over like you know recent time that know how to evaluate know how to talk on a podcast so um very interested to hear what richie has to say about gordon um loved the conversation about bismack very excited to see this team moving forward but national tv tomorrow night on tnt against the orlando magic and then all-star break so love Still have shows coming for you. We're not taking a break. We're going to keep firing away here on Down to Dunk, and we will talk to you guys again on Tuesday night.